0: Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 128 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined once again by my dad, Peter Schmitz.
1: Hello, Husker fans and college football fans.
0: Here we are. Uh, we're here at finally at the start of college football season. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and we'll be giving you a double dose of Game talk today for Nebraska's first game against Northwestern and their second game against North Dakota, along with discussions of the big games that happen in the wider world of college football to kick off the season. Uh, And for those of you who may be listening to this podcast for the first time, we're a father-son duo here to talk about college football by college football fans for college football fans. And we'll be talking about our favorite team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, as well as wider topics. Um. One of those wider topics is this big news that the uh, college football board recently met and supposedly decided on a 12-team playoff. That's the reporting that's come out, at least. Um, And that had kind of seemed to be dead for a little while. Um, So it's obviously got a lot of people excited and talking. But we're going to save our deep dive into that discussion for next time.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, and I I, I'm kind of instinctively thinking there might be some more clarifying articles or information that comes out in this next week so we can talk more intelligently about it in about a week.
0: There we go. And before we dive into the Nebraska football side of things, uh, we're going to stick to our tradition and crack open a beverage. Uh, Now, you were an eager beaver and already have yours open, don't you, Dad?
1: I do. I inadvertently did a premature opening of the beverage of choice. So, so I apologize to, uh, our listening audience for that. And to you, Alex, because right. I know we like to open them together, but for, for this case, I'm just going to have to say sluncha to you, which is <laughs> cheers from Ireland. Ah. And, uh, in, uh, and as I drink my, uh, German, I mean, my uh, Canadian beer uh, from Labatt Blue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you've got another Labatt Blue. Well, I've got this, my last Sapporo, the Japanese beer. So I'll go to open up mine now.
1: All right. Um,
0: And of course, you're mentioning uh, these good old Irish sayings because you were in Ireland uh, for the Northwestern game uh, that happened there, as well as for touring the country in general, uh, with a lot of our family.
1: That's right. It was, uh, was a fabulous experience, even the game day environment and ambiance, you know, the, uh, pubs beforehand and then, uh, walking to the stadium, which is a beautiful stadium, you know, being able to get into the stadium and all that, the whole process was just, just wonderful until the game started and then and then things got worse
0: well the game started good you were happy at the beginning oh yeah,
1: game started okay yep and well and, and then they then they screwed up and uh, you know made uh international crisis because the uh uh the cr- credit card transaction machines failed and they were not prepared for any kind of cash transactions so the beer was free so that <laughs> That was also another event that occurred during the game that I don't think I'll ever experience again.
0: <laughs> yeah, they know they mentioned that specifically on the broadcast. Um, and I couldn't help thinking, oh, dad and AJ and friends must be happy about that one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. It was Yeah, fun. it was funny. I, I just can't believe they they came up with that that solution. Right. Let's just give it ever let's just give it away.
0: Well, I mean they've they've got it all there, right? (laughs) So if they they can't take cash, I guess that's what you got to do. So in our previous podcast, we had mentioned how important this Northwestern game was to start off our season. You even described it as a must-win for Scott Frost's most important game of his career at Nebraska so far, uh, because of the trajectory it sets us on for this. Reclamation year for him. This is his do or die year as a coach. Um, and like we mentioned, it started off promising. You know, Casey Thompson throwing some great passes and everything. Uh, but it ended up being quite similar to some of the other games we've had with Scott Frost, where it was a close loss of 31 to 28. Um, both of us predicted our scores last time. I gave it. A score of 24 to 14 Nebraska victory. You were a little higher scoring with 27-23. So you were pretty close on the point spread in that you had us winning by four points, We ended up losing by three points. Um, so you were more on the ball there. Um, and the biggest takeaway for me besides the, uh, the kick that we'll talk about, I'm sure, later uh, was how disappointed I was in our defense. I really thought Given that they were one of the stronger aspects of our team last year, um, they'd be able to handle uh, what Northwestern was throwing at them. Uh, but that big offensive line of Northwesterns was pushing them around all day. It felt like.
1: I would agree with you that that was true, um, and and it just seemed like they, well, our defensive line, you know, which all spring and fall camp, you know, they've talked about how the defense was kind of ahead of the offense that our our defensive line was doing well and that we might finally have a pass rush and we had zero, like none. No pressure at all, uh, really, on Northwestern's quarterback. So we weren't able to disrupt them. We weren't able to knock them off of what they were uh, intending or wanting to do at all because our defensive line just couldn't do a damn thing.
0: Yep, We had no sacks in the course of the game, which was notable while they had two on us. Um, One thing that I was pleasantly surprised by was that uh, we only had one penalty in the whole game, which was for five yards. We had zero in the first half, uh, whereas they had eight for 65 uh, and we actually got four first downs off of their penalties. Um, Right. So so from that perspective, I was kind of thinking like, wow, Northwestern, you know, Northwestern's usual thing, right, is that they play very conservative to not make mistakes, very disciplined. Right. But they were making mistakes. And for example, uh, we had a fumble uh, earlier on in the game. uh, But then they gave us a fumble at the beginning of the third quarter, which we then scored off of got off to a 14 point lead. Right. And that felt like we finally had some real, or maybe it was a 10 point lead regardless. It was we, 11, 11 points. Yep. We had some real momentum at that point, you know, capitalizing off their mistakes. Uh, and then uh, Scott Frost decides to go for the risky play of doing an onside kick. When we're up by 11, uh, they get it, get easy field position or able to quickly score a touchdown to narrow our lead. And from there, the whole game attitude of the game changed. Um And I can appreciate the fact that he's willing to be aggressive and take some risks because there have been times in the past where I felt like maybe he was too conservative with some of his decisions and play calling. Um, But this was not the time to do it, I don't think.
1: I would 100% agree. No one in their right mind thinks that's a good idea, especially when you're playing Northwestern, which is a team that's, that's coached by a coach and coaching staff that are already known, not only throughout the Big Ten, but throughout the country, as probably one of the most disciplined and uh, low-error type of teams, you had to know that, you know, you're going to do an onside kick like that, you're trying to surprise somebody. You're trying to do it when they least expect it, right? But you also have to believe or have seen something on film that leads you to believe that that team might be susceptible to it, that, that their players are... You know, turning their backs rather rapidly uh, on their to get back for their blocking duties, you know, on a kickoff return or something like that. But being in the first game of the year, you wouldn't have any of that film. So you're, you're just going based on generic probabilities. But then when you factor in that Northwestern is historically one of the more disciplined teams in the entire country, this is not the team that you do that for. So, so no, no coaching staff who has a, uh, you know, a, a good handle on what the hell they're doing and why they're doing it, does this. A coaching staff that is playing scared and, and playing uh, uh, coaching like they're coaching uh, you know, for their last season does this. I mean, this is, this is
0: absolutely Scott
1: and his coaching staff in
0: panic mode. Right. And there was a moment earlier on as well where we went for it on a fourth down um, where if we didn't get it, we were going to give them a good field position. And that was another time where I was like, well, I admire the guts, but I don't really agree with the decision, especially given it'd be one thing if our defense had really been kind of shutting them down. But they hadn't been. Uh, So giving them an easy opportunity like that at that point in the game, when it was still very close going back and forth, uh, didn't seem like a a good decision.
1: I would agree. And see, it's, it's those kinds of coaching decisions, nothing to do with the players, coaching decisions that you, you really watch and you just, you you can do nothing but scratch your head and wonder what, what, what the heck is driving this group decision-making process? Why would they think, that was a good decision, and ultimately, it doesn't matter who decided to do it. Scott's held responsible because he's the head coach. Right. So, and you would you would expect a major decisions like fourth downs or a onside kick are definitely something that ultimately is a decision made by Scott. Yeah. So I put that at his plate, at his footsteps, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it's just stupid.
0: Yeah, and I have to admit in the previous podcast when we gave our predictions I kind of gave it a little bit lower scoring game thinking that both offenses uh would struggle some you know it'd be more of a defensive you know field position type battle uh but I was pretty wrong on that um and it ended up that we had 24 first downs to their 26 111 yards rushing to their 214 355 yards of passing to their 313 so we had a total of 466 yards but they had 527 so giving up 500 yards of offense to northwestern who's not known as an uh, offensive powerhouse uh, is a pretty worrying sign for our defense
1: right and 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 northwestern is not a great football team I, i i would expect that they're going to probably end up with maybe a slightly better record than they had last year. They won three games last year. They might win four or five, maybe six and get into a bowl game. But I don't believe this is a Northwestern team that's going to, you know, push for a a top position in the Big Ten West division. You know, they're just, their defense is not very good. And we should have been able to be much more proficient offensively against them than we were it's 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 ridiculous how poorly our offensive line played and then our defensive line played equally bad i mean especially after this okay so so you have some adversity you know you make the mistake you kick the onside kick etc but they just collapsed i mean the offensive line the, the offensive holes that northwestern's uh running backs were running through in that the the latter part of the third quarter and through the fourth quarter were absurd. It was just ridiculous. I don't know what the hell our defensive line was doing, but they had effectively appeared to have given up.
0: Yeah. Well, and it was that, you know, the usual Northwestern mindset, right? Which we talked about, which is grind the ball, run the ball a lot you know, and it might not have success early, but over time you're going to grind that team down and near the end of the game, uh, the commentators uh, for Fox were even kind of questioning Pat Fitzgerald's very conservative play calling when they got the ball after us, like in the fourth quarter. And he would just go for three runs in a row, kill the clock, you know, wouldn't get a first down and then they'd punt it, but he was just relying on kill the clock, Nebraska will make mistakes. And in the end, uh, we got the ball back with some time left and Casey Thompson immediately throws an interception and the game's, right? game's over. So
1: that's right. That's right. I mean, it, it it's so predictable and, uh, you know, we'll eventually get to our next game, but, but there's patterns here, right? They, they, they have existed for some time. They certainly displayed themselves multiple times last year, and now they've displayed themselves in the first couple of games of this year. And, and it's just, it's so disheartening as a fan to continually watch this team that has talent because that's the other thing we probably need to spend a little time. And I, I, I particularly like your insights because you were watching from a television camera, which frankly was better than our seats, right? Like, cause you, you got the, uh, the moving camera angles. Uh, but, um, um, I mean, our, our overall performance, you know, there's effort level, all of this stuff was just incredible, Um, you know, uh, for the first, let's say, two and a half quarters. And then when that event happened in the third quarter, you could, I mean, you just can't be such a China doll that one bad thing happens and you collapse as an entire football team. I mean, they, they just collapsed. It's like everyone in the stadium knew there was no way Nebraska was going to be able to come back and win after that onside kick, especially after watching what how the defense basically folded its tent right then. Right. And and then Northwestern was gaining like 10 yards every snap of the football.
0: <laughs> um, well, um at the beginning of the game I had I was looking at some of like the the Reddit threads you know for the game on like the college football Reddit or the Husker Reddit, you know, and we when Casey Thompson came out and led us on that first drive, or it was an easy score, and he's throwing these Looked beautiful good. passes, it's like, oh, man, yeah. was the quarterback the problem? You know, Thompson's the man, da, da 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 You know, and there was that amazing play later in the second quarter, I think it was, where he was in a full scramble situation and managed to chuck a pass to a wide-open guy and score yep. a touchdown. And yep. it, it was an amazing sequence. And the fact that he could throw that well on the run like that was just like, that's definitely not something Adrian Martinez, our previous quarterback could do. Um, Right. But then, uh, but then later on in the game, he, he started missing guys who were open, you know, throwing it in the dirt. Right. He got sacked twice, you know, and you could see that that affected him a bit. And I was hoping to see more mental toughness out of a junior transfer, uh, quarterback cuz he's a new quarterback for us but he's not a freshman he's a junior so he's got some experience under his belt um and I was kind of hoping he you know in this tough situation where we're now we're down late in the game uh that he would kind of lead our guys uh to uh, the victory later on um because he ha- has more of that experience but that didn't end up happening
1: no I, and you you're exactly right i mean Again, it's that mental, it's that mental toughness, that mental expectation that we're going to, we're going to rise the occasion. I'm going to focus more. I'm going to, everything's going to be elevated, right? My, my, uh, um, adrenaline is going to allow me to bring this into tighter focus. And instead we go into this panic mode where we expend our adrenaline injury or energy doing other things. But yet you look at it and. You know, Casey Thompson actually had a good game. If you look at it statistically, he had he had a good passing stats. He had um, he threw to a a large variety of receivers. We had seven, eight, nine guys that caught passes, so he had distribution. We have a, a legitimate division or NFL potentially running back in Grant. Now, I mean, that guy really showed himself to have some incredible vision and instincts and. You know, he can run into, you know, and move in the hole. He's got good eyes. I mean, we had all kinds of reasons for optimism on offense. And yet our offensive line was so poor that they limited us in so many ways. Right. Right. Casey was running for his life for most of the second
0: half, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And we, we, we identified that the offensive line was the main source of worry going into the game. And sadly that was proven to be correct. Um, in that game, uh, Anthony Grant ran it nineteen times for 101 yards. Uh, Garcia Castaneda uh, had four catches for 120 yards. I think he caught one of those huge passes. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, Thompson was 25 of 42 with two interceptions for 355 yards. So, you know, so not a great game, but not a bad game either. You know, when you look at those stats. Um, exactly. Although the the two because, interceptions, right? The two interceptions were killers. And because we both sides had one fumble, so that kind of canceled itself out. So, yeah, those two interceptions were really killer. Um, And Northwestern even missed a field goal, as you'll recall, earlier in the game. So that was another mistake by them that we couldn't capitalize on.
1: Right. Right. No, I I get it. It, It's (laughs) um, yeah, it's a game we should have won again. Should have won. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. We should have won it. You know, if we clean up our side of the of of the football field, then we easily could win that. But the reality was Northwestern played far from perfect. And uh, and even with this disjointed Northwestern effort, we still couldn't beat them.
0: Right. After beating them badly last year. Um, Correct. I I would say my expectations of Northwestern are a little higher than yours because I think they only had like three wins last year. And I definitely think they could get to like six this year. Like they're they've got some running backs and their quarterback is clearly better than the one they had before. Um, He was very accurate for a lot of the game.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 making that statement not knowing who they have to play from the East and things like that. Like if they if they were to maybe pick Uh, get some teams that are on the lesser side of that eastern division then then, yeah that their path to six or seven wins is maybe a little easier than i am giving them credit for
0: yeah and one other thing we predicted uh because this game was so important was that if we lost it uh there would be a meltdown within the husker community uh which there was predictably you know people being like ready to fire Scott right then and there and because it was week 0 and we were the biggest game of that week uh we were the center of national media attention for several days there and everybody ridiculing Scott and you know it it was rough <laughs> it was rough
1: I agree I totally agree it's just uh I I you know and I I really think that um this kind of performance over these uh, over this week uh this first game is exactly what trev albers was trying to get scott to understand that he, he couldn't make these mistakes right that he had to have a team that was going to go out and play hard for him and play disciplined football and they're not and and you know so you can you can write all the fluff articles about you know the, the team chemistry and you know culture building culture and all that But at the end of the day, it doesn't translate.
0: Right. Um, And one thing I saw in both games, in the Northwestern game and the North Dakota game, that was starting to bother me, because obviously uh, we also have Mark Whipple, our new offensive coordinator, who's actually calling the plays this time, not Scott, as has been true in the past. Um, And one thing I've noticed is that uh, he would sometimes on first downs uh, go for a long ball with Thompson, you know, to, uh, to try to get a big pass to kind of start things off, right? And in a lot of situations, uh, it was either the receiver was open and Thompson, you know, slightly overthrew him or the receiver was was open and uh, Thompson threw it well and then the receiver just couldn't bring the ball in. Um, right. So, you know, there are situations where it's like, I can see why he went for it because it was the, the yards it, were there. Oh, it was available. It was there. Uh, with just a little bit better execution, but then that sets you back where now you're at second and 10, you go for a running play that gets you a yard, and now you're at third and nine, right? And you're way behind schedule. Um, And seeing that happen multiple times over the course of both these games was really starting to bug me, but I did appreciate in the second game that we stuck to the running game and it paid big dividends in the second half for us.
1: Yes, it did. Well, but we're... uh, uh, Well... (laughs) <laughs> just to, to <laughs> kind of kind of respond to you and, and also uh, I'm going to reference the second game then as well, is that in that second game, you're playing North Dakota, a very good salty uh, FCS level program uh, who is, you know, consistently a good football team, but we're Nebraska playing in the big 10. We should, uh, we do. Have athletes that are a whole nother level of talent above what North Dakota's dealing with, and yet our offensive line was a sieve, uh, and our defensive line gave up more than five yards a carry against North Dakota. Okay, mm-hmm. that th- those are two uh, stats. Uh, uh, you know, the the offensive line giving up sacks, and the defensive line allowing rushing averages of more than five yards per carry by you know uh north dakota is something that is unacceptable our offensive line should have had a heyday this should have been a huge confidence booster for our offensive line where we were able to kind of get things right so to speak we should have been playing our second team offensive line in the third and uh late third quarter and then you know maybe even deeper into the depth chart by the fourth quarter instead we're, we're we're scrambling for our lives
0: Right. Yeah, that that was the thing was that um, these sorts of games against FCS opponents, you know, you want them to be blowouts, you know, where you totally dominate the game. Like you say, you're able to bring your second team out in the third quarter or something, you know, and get uh, a nice uh, confidence boosting victory for your team. And instead it was back and forth tied up. I think it was tied up by the end of the half.
1: The third quarter.
0: And and then even going to the third, it was still close. And then, you know, later in the third and into the fourth, we were finally able to put it away from them. Um, But the fact that it was that close with an FCS team, like you say, is not the confidence booster you wanted as Scott Frost.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Well, and it was here
1: we go again. Right. We do the stupid onside kick thing or short kick, whatever the hell that was. I don't know if our kicker just whiffed. Well, missed his kick. Or what the hell he was trying to do, but we again at one of the more critical times after we score a touchdown, kick the ball and give it to them basically at the forty-five.
0: Well, well, actually, no, your memory is a little off there because recall that they had a late penalty on like the extra point or something, um, right? That then moved the ball fifteen yards on the kickoff, right? And so yeah, we did purposefully go what the commentator said was that it was one of those where he, you're trying to like hit the guy in the chest with the ball and it bounces right off and of have them it bounce and, and right and get a, a right. but again but and and it didn't work but they were at the 30 so okay. it was the 30 versus the 25 which makes little difference so it was still a bit of a weird call but at least i could understand the 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 reward was better than the risk in that particular case
1: Right. I, I, okay. I will concede it. But again, when you're, when you're a team that's just trying to get a fundamental win, do fundamental football. Don't worry about playing with all the rinky-dink special shit later after you have established yourself and built a little confidence in your team with the fundamental stuff. I, I, I just think trying to be overly aggressive with all the special team stuff just blows up in your face like it did in the game one. And then you damn near did it in game two. Because if they had turned around, I don't care that it was only the 30 yard line versus the 25. Uh, you know, if you look at the stats on, you know, what are the percentages of uh, drives that start at the 20 or start at the 25 or start at the 30 and then end up being touchdowns, it's significant. Five, 10 yards in terms of what that means statistically is significant uh, at the end of the day in terms of how many, what percentage of those drives that start at that spot on the field end up leading to points. Yeah, It's a big, big difference. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is a good segue to talk about special teams because that was another area where we were really focusing because they were really bad last year and we got a special teams coach specifically to help with that situation. Um, And in terms of when we were, when we weren't trying to be fancy with it and when we were just Uh, you know, going for straightforward kicks and punts and stuff like that, Uh, I would say I definitely did see an improvement. Uh, Our guy was kicking it out of the end zone uh, pretty frequently on those kickoffs. Um, And in the Northwestern game, we had six punts for an average of 47 yards, average of 42 in the North Dakota game. Uh, And we had one missed field goal of 37 yards in the North Dakota game, followed up later by a make- a made field goal of forty six yards, um, right. So you know, I was I was mad that that field goal kicker missed that first one because it was pretty easy, um, but he redeemed himself, made a longer one later, so I can forgive that. Um, and in general, I can definitely see the improvement that's been made. Though another one that really bothered me in the North Dakota game was oh, when God, yes. when they had a punt, a bad punt that didn't go very far. And Mm -hmm. the ball is just rolling. And one of our guys is there. One of their guys is there. And our guy goes to grab it at the same time. Then their guy reacts and goes to grab at the same time. Now it's a wrestle for the ball. And that, that idiot should have been their ball. Exactly. That could have been a huge mistake. And he, he should have just backed away. Like, I don't know what he was doing.
1: Exactly. (laughs) What the hell did he think he was going to accomplish by doing that? And it wasn't even like the ball was rolling a lot and we were going to lose yardage or whatever because it was going to roll and we were going to lose, say, five or eight yards or whatever. He did that for the stupidest of stupid reasons. Well, and then what about the, uh, the kickoff, uh, or was it a punt? It had to be a kickoff. I'm pretty sure it was a kickoff uh, that they kicked off, but it was short. Uh, and our receiving, our deep guy, back guy um, came up to try to catch the football and, um, wasn't able to do it. There, there ended up being like three of our guys, right. That were all there oh. together at the, this was in like the second half. Yeah. Um, right. I do remember and, that. And, and, it was like, what in the hell are you guys doing? How, how are three of you all standing there within two inches of one another, all supposedly involved in trying to catch it? And the answer was one guy was back there thinking he needed to block because he had no clue where the football was and then the other two guys were both aware that the football was there, but, and they both were kind of thinking about, well, do I take it or do I not take it? I mean, there was just so much confusion and lack of confidence about what the hell they were supposed to be doing. And again, that's something that should be repped in spring practice and in fall camp early so that those are kinds of things that should not be happening by the time you're in your second game of the year.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was another mistake. So, yeah, still still some questions on special teams, but also we can see elements of improvement as well, especially uh, in like I would the agree. kicking side of things. Right.
1: The, the specialist. Yeah. The specialist looked looked to be better. Our punter seems to be seems to have had a couple of good games here. That makes me confident that we at least aren't going to be, you know, horrible at punting.
0: Right. Um, and then with this North Dakota game, uh, we didn't have the chance to do a podcast cause obviously you were in Ireland. Uh, so we didn't right. have a chance to predict it, um, ended up being a 38 to 17, uh, victory. Uh, but that score really doesn't show how close it was for three quarters of the game. No, but
1: basically it was tied at the end of the third quarter. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, uh, pretty much, uh, maybe it was late, late third quarter, but bottom line is it was a tie ball game, you know, uh, in terms of, um, uh where we were at and they had the momentum frankly because of some of the bonehead choices we had made so and and then our uh, we just got lucky that our that our uh, you know depth if nothing else eventually wore them down
0: right yeah it was it was seven to seven at the end of the half and then by the end of the third quarter we were up by seven um so that was okay. the situation Um and but then- i feel
1: like we must have uh Scored late in that, yeah. I think third you're
0: right. quarter. I think you're right, because um, yeah. I mean, well, when I when it was like tied up at halftime and everything, I'm like, oh god, if Scott loses this game, he he's he'll get fired on the spot. Like it's, <laughs> this is gonna be bad. <laughs> well. Um, well. But thankfully, obviously, that didn't happen. And uh, the big person to thank for that is Anthony Grant, who we mentioned previously, had a solid game one, but a great game two. He ran it 23 times for 189 yards, uh, leading up to our total rushing of 244 yards. And like you say, he showed good vision, you know, making some great moves to juke people out uh, and things like that. Obviously, taking with the caveat that this is North Dakota you know, right. in terms of talent levels. Um, but he was definitely uh, a nice highlight and it's clear he's the number one guy in our running back core right now.
1: Right. Right. I would agree. And, and the, but the thing is that th- the thing that I'm most frustrated about and, and I will also concede is probably the thing I'm going to focus more on next week uh, for our next game as well is to figure out um what in the heck is going on with our offensive line? I mean, what, what kind of techniques are these guys being taught? Because it seems like even in running plays, all we're doing is, is a zone blocking type concept where our guy just tries to engage the guy in front of him and play pat-a-cake with him. When, when, when you're playing against a, a North Dakota team that's given up probably you know, 35 or 40 pounds or more per man, Versus their opponent and our guys are six, nine and have big long arms and supposedly the great strength program that we have and everything. And yet they're being run around. I mean, guys are just running right around them uh, because they're so slow a foot or something right. uh, that they can't even block it, these tiny guys. And I just, I have a hard time then in running plays. How, how are you not able to just crush these dudes and move that pile three or four yards. Our running backs shouldn't even be being touched for the first three yards.
0: Right. And I know that uh, North Dakota was doing something where they're changing from a 3-4 to a 4-3 on yeah. defense you know, throughout the game, uh, which, you know, not an excuse, but I, nope. that was probably one factor that was throwing our guys off because uh, North Dakota did get three sacks for two, uh, 27 yards on Casey Thompson. There was even a scary moment where he went to the – injury tent uh, for a moment right. on the sidelines came out seems like it was just a ding or something. He's fine, but he's already been sacked five times in the first two games of the year. Uh, so it's not a great sign for his long-term health as a quarterback, which was an issue we've had in the past too. I I agree.
1: I, uh, all I can hope for is that maybe the light bulb is going to go on and that this offensive line, is going to uh, get their shit together at some point here. And maybe this week against Georgia, Georgia Southern, we'll start to see it. And then they'll come together in time for the big 10 play to begin.
0: Mm-hmm. We would certainly hope so. Um, One other uh, player that definitely deserves mention is uh, Garrett Nelson on defense, who had a great day, uh, got back and sacked the quarterback uh, once or twice and uh, was just, you know, showing himself off as the leader on the defense, which I think is good because we did lose a lot of big names on our defense, uh, you know, like Cam Taylor Britt and other folks like that, you know, so. We kind of needed someone else to step up into that leadership position to fill that hole. Um, so that was one good thing to see, you know, and once again, later on in the game, they were kind of stuffing North Dakota, you know, and not really letting them get anything going late in the game. But early on, the amount that they were able to rush, getting a total of 175 yards of uh, rush on us uh, was definitely concerning.
1: Yes, Exactly. No, I, I agree with you, as the game went on, and so you you know you hope that that maybe that's a reflection of where we're headed right and and not not what was happening earlier but it but at the end of the day, in terms of the defensive side, you know our inability to to shut down their running game is just frightening to me because i i I think that was yes, it was a good f c s running game, but I can't think of too many teams that are left on our schedule that are going to have uh, 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 a more inferior offensive line than the one we just played.
0: Yeah, so. no. Uh, well, I don't know if you got it, but I Facebook messaged you because you were in Ireland saying like, it's great that Grant's having a great, a great game, but I'm very concerned about our upcoming schedule because this is the easy part of our schedule, you it's know, the heck these, like. these early games, you know, leading to Oklahoma You know, and then we've got, you know, Michigan or uh, Iowa and Michigan and those tougher teams later on. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a concern. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, just going through some stats real quick. We had 26 first downs to their 18, uh, 244 yards of rushing to their 175, 193 yards passing to their 131. So a total of 437 to 306 in terms of offense. Um, both teams lost one fumble, uh, and we had, uh, one interception and they had none. Um, so yeah, those were kind of the, the main stats and that we actually got a couple sacks on them compared to the Northwestern game where we didn't get any. Um, it was good to see that we, unlike in the Northwestern game, in this game, we did make some good halftime adjustments clearly, you know, and came out and did better in the second half. Um, so that is a good thing to see, um, but yeah, still, uh, still looking like a team on Webley legs. Let's put it that way.
1: Right, I, I. It's a pretty accurate way to put it. And and until we can see solidification on the offense and defensive line, I think we are not going to have a great deal of success. And and we have some issues at linebacker as well on defense, where we just don't have any depth. And and we have a couple of good. Uh, linebackers, but they both have a history of injury. And I just don't, uh, one of them's already, already didn't play in the North Dakota game because he got injured against Northwestern. And, and that's just been kind of the MO there. And so we need more depth at some of those positions and, and we're already being tested that way.
0: Right. Speaking of which, um, do you know what's up with uh, Vokalek? I know he had some nice catches at the beginning of the Northwestern game and then went out. Later on. Right.
1: I, I don't know what his injury is, but uh you know, every time that they try to downplay something, say, ah, you know, he's day to day or whatever, it ends up being three weeks, right, before he comes back. No one seems to ever be held out one game and then come back and play effectively the next game. So uh, I'm gonna guess that uh that Vokalek won't be available for the Georgia Southern game and that their premise would be they're gonna value him too much and say better for him to miss out on this game and uh, wait until we get to games that are that are um, more important so to speak and then we'll play him so I would expect he's gonna be out this coming week
0: right and one other stat I should mention is that uh, unlike the first game we were pretty rough on penalties this time Uh, seven for 54 yards Uh, now North Dakota had six for 70 so both teams pretty heavy on penalties, but it seemed kind of like our those first game jitters kind of happened in the second game for us on that front with, you know, offsides and stupid yeah. stuff like that.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah, the, the uh, I mean, there uh, and again, stacking penalty on top of penalty. When you can't, when you can least afford it, you know, we we're playing in a critical moment in the game and, uh, and we had like three penalties in one series.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would kind of stack up like that, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that you
1: just can't do that.
0: Yeah. Um, So we'll give our uh, prediction for the Georgia Southern game uh, near the end of the podcast, because that's obviously the third game that we're looking forward to this weekend. Um, But there were several other games going on in week one of college football. Um, Quite a good uh, weekend to start things off with the usual craziness you'd expect. Um, I actually had the Georgia Oregon game pulled up on my laptop during ours because it started at the same time, um, okay. but I ended up uh, closing it after the first half. Cause uh, it was already like 27 to three or something like that. You know, Georgia was clearly dominating. It ended up being at 49 to three. Uh, so a brutal matchup of three versus 11, according to the rankings there.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. And yeah, and that Oregon was just overrated more than, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to think about Georgia. They, they, they're clearly one of the best teams in the country. That's not surprising, but, uh, and if I remember correct, they had quite a few players returning from last year's national champion. Uh, so they, they'll be right in the thick
0: of it. Right.
1: But boy, Oregon, I, you know, I don't know what to expect from them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, usually you expect Oregon to be at least good on offense, if not on defense, but they weren't even that this game. Of course, it's one of Georgia's strengths this is their defense. And actually, while watching it, watching our guys miss tackles in that North Dakota game, which was frustrating me to no end, I saw a nice tackle by one of their guys where he wrapped him up solidly by the legs. I'm like, our guys should be watching this game here, get some pointers on technique. The next game that I wanted to discuss was... Uh, Notre Dame versus Ohio state. Um, right. that was another big one. Notre Dame ranked number five, o- Ohio state ranked number two. Um, and actually, uh, Notre Dame got out to a lead of 10 to three, um, and kind of held that lead for quite a while was giving, uh, CJ Stroud at Ohio state, a lot of trouble on offense. Um, but they're, reversely, Notre Dame's offense just couldn't get anything going. I was kind of watching bits and pieces of that game, actually, while I was at the Hollywood Bowl uh, this Friday uh, or Saturday, I guess it was. Um, And so, yeah, it seems like, yeah, Notre Dame's uh, offense couldn't get anything going. And later in the game, in the second half, Ohio State just started to figure it out. And C.J. Stroud made some nice plays and they ended up uh, winning 21 to 10. Right.
1: And and. Uh, I had a friend who was at that game, and they're an Ohio, Ohio State fan, and they were very disappointed in Ohio State. They, they, they're kind of crossing their fingers and hoping that, much like a lot of teams, that they're going to see dramatic improvement between that first and second game, because they felt like uh, that uh, um, the offense was just kind of a mess uh, for Ohio State.
0: Yeah. And there were some interesting uh, Big Ten games as well. Um, I believe Rutgers played Boston College on Friday, uh, and they ended up winning uh, 22-21, so a close-rung thing, but that was an upset win for Rutgers, who we have to play later this year. Uh, Right.
1: Well, I expect Rutgers to be measurably better than they were last year.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, One that was funny was – Iowa playing at South Dakota State while we were playing North Dakota. They were playing South Dakota State and ended up winning uh, seven to three in the most Iowa way possible and that there were no touchdown score, just a field goal and two safeties. <laughs>
1: Jeez. Jeez. So two field goals,
0: one for each team,
1: and then two safeties were the difference.
0: Yep. I saw a funny headline in like the Iowa newspaper the next day. And the headline was missing the O's because there was no offense. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I thought that was pretty clever. Um, Yes. And uh, another crazy one was Florida going up against Utah. Um, Utah was actually the uh, team expected to win that one uh, going into the season ranked number seven, being the PAC 12 champion from last year. Yes. Um and it was uh, kind of a crazy game where Utah was up uh for a lot of it then Florida scored late and Utah had to run like uh you know one minute drill uh to get down the field and they did um and they were at the goal line you know with enough time to uh to score or even if you can't score right you just kick a field goal and go into overtime uh and they th- they throw a pass and it's intercepted and it's game over. So Utah oh should have won that game and messed up at the last second.
1: Right. Right. And he was, he was going, he made a decision. that was a coaching decision.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah. I don't remember the, I was watching the end of that game. Let's get at the bowl. I don't remember the exact situation, uh, but yeah, but yeah, that's really a
1: coaching decision. Yeah. He didn't have to throw it. Right. Right.
0: Interesting. Although I think they were out of timeouts to be fair. So that was probably a factor. Um, And then another crazy one was uh, Florida State versus LSU, uh, both unranked teams going into the year. And uh, Florida State uh, was up uh, throughout the game and even got a, uh, uh, a turnover from LSU late. Uh, where they should be able to uh, just end the game right there. They had great field position. Right, Uh, right. And then they go for a pitch play on the goal line, and the running back fumbles the ball, and it's LSU's ball on the one. (laughs) So there's that heartbreak. And then LSU goes on a great 99-yard drive with just a little bit of time left to uh, score with one second left on the clock. They score, touchdown, and if they just... uh, kick the extra point it'll be tied and they go into overtime and then Florida State blocks the extra point just like they blocked a field goal earlier in the game and it's game over Florida State wins
1: wow yep (laughs) that's just amazing that's just amazing
0: yes and of course Brian Kelly is now at LSU trying to rejuvenate uh, their program after a disappointing year last year
1: that's crazy
0: yep uh, one final one was uh, North Carolina versus Appalachian State. Um, I didn't get the chance to uh, watch the recap for this one, uh, but has a crazy scoreline of 63 North Carolina, 61 Appalachian State. And the craziest part is that uh, North Carolina was up 41 to 21 at the end of the third. So Appalachian State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> wow. That's just crazy. Yeah. But North Carolina scored 22 points. So they still I managed know. to hold on. It was like
1: over 60, 60 points or something in in one quarter between the two teams.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is just, yeah, that's, I, I got to watch that to see how that happens. So that's just insane.
1: Me too. I, I didn't watch it, obviously. And I, after reading about it today, I'm like, I, I need to see that just just to kind of see the, the circumstances and how that plays out. You know, how many turnovers, how many great long. Plays, or was it mostly about turnovers and penalties and things like that that put them in a position for short fields?
0: There definitely had to be some interceptions and stuff there. That's the only way that makes any sense. You
1: would would think,
0: yes. Yeah. Um, And looking ahead to uh, next week, um, there are less, uh, you know, kind of big games because obviously they put some prominent ones on week one to start things out. Um, But Alabama, Texas is an interesting one. Um, you know, not necessarily expect to be competitive, but it'd be interesting if Texas uh, came to play that day. Um, Kentucky is playing against Florida right after their big win over Utah, and Kentucky's ranked twentieth currently. Um, USC Stanford, a classic in the Pac twelve, that's happening this weekend, uh, and the the one kind of top twenty five matchup is uh, Baylor versus BYU. Baylor ranked tenth, BYU twenty fifth.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good one, too. I kind of would like, where's that one being played? Does it say uh, on your list that you're looking at?
0: Uh, Oh, it is at BYU. So that gives them Uh, a little bit more.
1: More. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then on our side of things, we're playing as Georgia Southern, another uh, lesser school. um, Though they played against Morgan State this past weekend and crushed them uh, 59 to 7. Uh, obviously never really heard of Morgan state. So not exactly a uh, stiff competition, well, but, but, but. If,
1: but if, when you can execute on offense and score that many points against air, you're doing something right. Like without penalties, without doing anything that causes negative things to happen, interceptions, things like that, that, that throttle, uh, scoring opportunities. That means they were very efficient.
0: Right. Which leads me to believe in our prediction for next week that um, it might become a bit of a score fest, given how uh, sieve like our uh, our defense has been so far this year. One thing I'm looking for in this game is for uh, Anthony Grant to have another big game with lots of rushing yards and also to see Casey Thompson reflect what he did in the North Dakota game where he wasn't afraid to run it when the opportunity was available to him, you know, so he can mix up his ability to run it along with his great passing arm so that we're able to score a lot of points on offense to offset uh, whatever weaknesses our defense may have against this efficient Georgia Southern team. Uh, What are your thoughts on that regard?
1: Yes, I, I, well, so yeah, I I do believe George Southern is going to have some success running and and scoring points against us, running and passing and scoring points against us. So we are going to have to be more prolific offense uh, offensively if we hope to win this football game. The one thing that is going to play in our favor, I think, a little bit is that uh, this next week's game, I I believe it's an evening game, uh, so it's going to be under the lights under the lights in Lincoln, and that's a big plus because. The the fans and the crowd are always a little bit more energized at night and it's it's even more of a spectacle or an event to just go there uh, regardless of outcome kind of thing. So I think our fan base should be sufficiently uh, lubed and excited for that game, which will create an, an environment that's a little more intimidating for that team and a little bit more of a support for us. But we need them to rise to the occasion and have success.
0: Yeah. That's a good point to make. You know, uh, we always, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, we've gone to a lot of Nebraska games over the years, but I think we've only been to like one, maybe that was a night game. You know, those are more well, rare last
1: year, last year, I went to both the Northwestern domination. Uh, it's sad to think of what happened this year after thinking about that game. And then, and then Michigan, which we should have won, which was also a night game. And, um, those two were just spectacular atmospheres in both cases uh, for the team. And they play, we, we rose to the occasion in both of those cases. So I'm really hopeful that, uh, you know, the team, uh, responds in that same fashion.
0: Cool. All right. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict that we are able to score against them, uh, against Georgia Southern, and that, uh, we are able to pull out the W. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and predict, say, uh, 42 points for us on offense uh, but that, that they will also uh, score against us um, given the defensive weaknesses that we pointed out earlier so I'll say it'll be uh 28 to 42 Nebraska victory
1: 28 to 42 wow okay I'm gonna I'm gonna also go high scoring I'm gonna go even higher than you though I'm gonna go 49 for the corn huskers but I'm gonna go 35 for um for georgia southern i i i say it's going to be nip and tuck for three quarters just a little bit like this last week's game was only with more scoring um and then we'll maybe pull ahead at the end but it's going to be a nail biter in which we are not going to be in a comfortable situation until the late part of the game
0: Mm -hmm. so same score differential of 14 points um But just uh, higher. A little little bit higher.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: That makes sense. Um, And I thought we might as well also predict uh, the big national game as we usually do. So Baylor, BYU, with it being at BYU, uh, what's your score prediction for that one?
1: I'm going to pick Baylor because I'm a big,
0: big Dave Aranda fan, the head coach
1: of Baylor. And I just have a feeling that uh, they are um, the better coached team not knowing all that much about BYU's team or their coaching staff, but knowing that Dave Aranda is likely better. And so I'm going to say that's going to be a fairly well-contested game where both teams have some athletes and have some talent, but neither of them is complete you know, in terms of their, their uh, overall talent level. But Dave will find a way to make his team the victorious one.
0: All right. What's your score then?
1: Mm, I got to pick a score. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, 35 points for Baylor and 31 points for BYU.
0: Okay. Good prediction. Um, I think I'm going to go a little higher scoring. I agree with you that I think Baylor's a good team and he's a good coach. Uh, so even if it is at BYU in a hostile environment that they'll be able to win, um, and I think Baylor will show off some of their offensive prowess and score even higher. So I'll say uh, 45 Baylor and uh, 35 BYU.
1: Gotcha. So a little bit bigger uh, separation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And one last thing to mention before we wrap up this podcast here is, of course, we gave our uh, season predictions earlier that uh, are an optimistic, uh, our optimistic kind of hopes were for seven and five. We thought that was reasonable. Uh, that's definitely hurt by this Northwestern loss. Um, so we're looking at a likely scenario where we'll, we'll be two and two coming out of the Oklahoma game in two weeks um, where we'll have lost to Oklahoma Northwestern beat the two FCS teams. Uh, and then we're on to uh, Rutgers who we mentioned uh, or I'm sorry, it's Indiana next. We have, do have a bye week, then we have Indiana, and then we have Rutgers. Um, so to me, that kind of middle stretch of the season of Indiana, Rutgers, and Purdue, and Illinois, we have those four in a row, those kind of become the deciding point for our season. Is Scott able to win those games, preferably decisively, but Even if not, just win those games, you know, and get himself up to six wins wins. before we get to the tougher part of our season. Or can he not manage that and we lose close ones like we have? Because if that's a scenario that plays out, I think we could see a situation where Scott gets fired before the end of the season. And we have some sort of interim coach going into those last few games of the year that are expected losses for us. Uh, What are Mm. your thoughts there?
1: Okay, well, I I would say you're right that if if we end up losing some of those four games you just described um, and we find ourselves below 500 at that point in the season, then I think we'll be able to fairly reasonably reach the conclusion that we're unlikely to end up with a winning record and and won't necessarily be able to go to a bowl game. Right? So um, uh, then I think uh, Trev will be will be actively seeking options and if he has somebody that is that he needs to secure for fear that they're not going to be available at the end of the year he may pull that trigger um but um you know I'm hopeful that they they wait until after the season's over and then uh make it happen quick because a lot of conversation and stuff could take place before the end of the season um that would be my preference But as you just are describing that to me, our chances of getting to that six wins is is pretty bleak because Purdue actually played pretty darn well. And, uh, and, you know, uh, even Rutgers is a team that I'm very, very scared of in terms of uh, what they can do against our team because they've got a coach that I really think is pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. So we'll see but it's going to be really, really hard for us to win those four games uh, after starting the season two and two.
0: Yeah, because I believe it's, I want to say it's October 1st, which is the day of our Indiana game that is in the contract, like when Trev can fire Scott, you know, the the option is available to him. Um, Right. And obviously we hope that that doesn't happen. I don't think that would happen that early. Uh, regardless, but um, one of the things we talked about when uh, Trev decided that he was going to keep Scott last year uh, is that he's a young, new athletic director, hasn't necessarily made all the contacts, right, that someone more experienced has, so what I'm looking for from him is that he has reached out to people, you know, in the off season, you know, made these connections, you know, and just put some feelers out there, um, because he knows that there's kind of a coin flips chance of whether Scott's going to pull it out this year or fail. Um, so I'm hoping that when, if, if worse comes to worse, he has a good option in his back pocket, ready to go.
1: Right. That would be my hope. Well, and we were just talking about, you know, my first choice, which would be Dave Aranda from down there at, uh, at Baylor. If, uh, if we end up shopping for a coach, I sure hope he's on the shortlist. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And in terms of recent success, he'd kind of be crazy to leave Baylor for Nebraska. Uh, But in terms of monetary compensation and like long term outlook, right, with the Big 12 versus the Big 10, that might be the angle we could use. But we'll see.
1: Right. Well, and and whether, you know, does Dave want to get back into the Big 10 or the SEC or is he content to stay in in a Big 12 minus Oklahoma and um, Texas? because he now has an even greater chance of consistently competing for the championship there.
0: That's true. That's true. So yeah, we'll have to see how all that plays out. Of course, we're wishing the best for our Huskers this upcoming weekend. Um, And I'm actually uh, traveling back to Michigan here this upcoming Friday. Uh, So we may be able to watch this, uh, the next two games together in person, which is always a fun time.
1: It is. Um, I'm hoping we can do at least one of the two weekends, if not uh, both. So,
0: Yeah, so we'll figure that out. You can get your uh, cheese dip ready to go for me. How about that? There you go. There you <laughs> go.
1: Enti- an enticement, an inducement.
0: Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, if you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating or rating or review there. We always love hearing from the fans and we'll read any comments we get out off on the air um, and discuss them thoroughly. So thank you all for listening to this podcast and thank you, Dad, for joining me. And until next time, go Big Red.
1: Go Big Red.